0: Welcome to Sharp Waves, a podcast from the International League Against Epilepsy. Our episodes cover epilepsy research, clinical care, career development, and issues in diagnosis and treatment from around the globe.
1: Thank you for accepting our invitation for this
2: uh, podcast uh, interview. Thank you, it's my pleasure and my honor. I'm excited to be talking with you today. Thank you. So, um,
1: as you know, we are talking about this uh, recent publication on uh, epilepsy and behavior. The title is Morbidity and Rehospitalization Postpartum Among Women with Epilepsy and Their Infants, a Population-Based Study. Please, introduce yourself. So,
2: my name is Andrea che Kimian. I am a clinical associate professor of neurology in the University of Washington in Seattle, Washington, United States. Um, I am particularly interested within the field of epilepsy in women's health and epilepsy. And I came upon that interest um, because when I finished my fellowship, I was one of a handful of female neurologists, female epileptologists in the United States at that time. And women who wanted... uh, a female a, a practitioner uh, to take care of them during their pregnancy were limited in who they, could, who they could select. And as well from the other end, I was undergoing my own pregnancies um, at the end of my training and felt a special interest in um, all things related to that. Currently I have, uh, of course, my clinic in the general epilepsy unit, but also I have a clinic in the department of OBGYN where I see patients who are pregnant who also have epilepsy. Um, This is a clinic that I particularly enjoy in a population that I love working with because I feel like everything that I do, I'm rewarded twice over, once for mom and once for the baby.
1: Thank you. Could you provide some background regarding this topic and talk about why this word was done?
2: Previous studies in the literature have identified a whole range of adverse outcomes among these women, such as eclampsia, premature rupture of membranes, preterm labor, placental abruption, C-section, etc., etc. But these studies sometimes conflict and are not consistent. There's a possibility that the findings have shifted over time as AED prescription patterns have shifted. So we wanted to form a study that would further answer these controversies. But also, um, I think one of our strengths of our study is that we are a population-based study. So we could have nearly 100% capture of uh, these patients and um, give a more global answer to some of these issues.
1: Could you please describe the study methods? How were the data extracted and evaluated?
2: Of course, I'd be glad to. So our study is a retrospective and population-based cohort study. Um, Here in the United States, since the late 1980s, all birth records and fetal death records have been linked to hospital discharge records. And we identified all delivery records in Washington State from 1987 to 2014 and linked them to hospital discharge records. From that data, we pulled um, information on All women with epilepsy with ICD-9 codes consistent with epilepsy and got their hospital discharge uh, records. We identified a control population of randomly selected women with no epilepsy matched by year of delivery in a 10 to 1 ratio. So there's 10 control women for every one um, um, study woman. We looked at hospitalization, rehospitalization records for the first two years after delivery among both groups, and we also identified maternal and infant death records in both groups. In the end, we had a little under 3,000 women with epilepsy, 2714 women with epilepsy, and 27,062 women without epilepsy in the control group. Um, for the analysis, we looked at maternal outcomes identified from hospital discharge and the birth records, and these are all um, outcomes that have been evaluated previously of concern to women and their caretakers, such as preeclampsia, gestational diabetes, placental abruption, preterm labor, uh, labor induction, uh, malpresentation, C-section, postpartum hemorrhage, ICU admission, length of hospitalization, and death. Um, We also looked at epilepsy type via the ICD-9 codes, focusing on focal versus generalized, tractable versus intractable, and convulsive versus non-convulsive epilepsies. The infant outcomes that we identified from these records include major Congenital malformations, accidents of presence of fetal distress, meconium aspiration, low birth weight, preterm delivery, small for gestational age, five-minute Apgars less than seven, requiring assisted ventilation, breastfeeding rates, and NICU admission. We also looked at uh, rehospitalization and deaths, uh, and time to rehospitalization. Covariates that we considered are again typical of the um, studies are performed in this area maternal age, marital status, ethnicity, maternal education, prenatal tobacco exposure, number of prior pregnancies and births, number of prior fetal deaths, pre pregnancy BMI, pregnancy weight gain prenatal care adequacy, use of fertility treatments, hypertension, diabetes, and private versus public insurance. Um, we then identify the uh, relative risk ratios between these two groups for each adverse outcome using incidence rate ratios with a 95% confidence interval with a Poisson regression analysis. Adjustments for this analysis include the year of delivery, which is built into the study design, but we also adjusted for maternal age and parity. We looked at use of tobacco, race, and socioeconomic status markers, such as education and insurance type, but those factors did not alter the relative risks, and so we did not include them in the analysis. And we conducted analyses separately for maternal and infant outcomes for each epilepsy type and for birth year categorization. So for birth year, we um, put uh, into three separate bins. The first bin is from 1987 to 1996, when the United States prescribing patterns were predominantly for phenytoin, carbamazepine, or valproic acid. Then from 1997 to 2006, which is more of a transition period in prescription patterns, and also when the second generation anti-apoptic drugs start to be prescribed. And then the third bin is 2007 to 2014, when prescription patterns in the United States show predominantly Limojigine and Levituracetia. What are
1: the main findings of this study?
2: The reassuring thing, the thing that I love to see was that most women with epilepsy in the order of high 90s predominantly for most of the outcomes did not have any serious adverse outcomes and their infants did very well long term with no increased risk of mortality. Um, but there were some definitely. There were some adverse outcomes, if I may. I like to talk about it in sort of two months. And one lump is what for me were the expected, or at least not terribly surprising, um, adverse uh, outcomes. And then I'm going to quickly talk about those. And then I like to talk about what surprised me and what immediately changed my practice when I uh, when when the results came through. Um, So first, if I can just quickly talk about the expected uh, adverse outcomes, Uh, we found consistent with prior studies that infants and women with epilepsy had modestly increased risk. And by modestly, I mean the relative risk ratios were somewhere between one and two for uh, longer hospitalizations, um, increased major malformations, low birth weight, small for gestational age, requirement for assisted ventilation, NICU emissions, and were less likely to be breastfed. Um, the moms had increased risk of preeclampsia and eclampsia, gestational diabetes, preterm rupture of membranes, preterm labor, labor induction, C-section, ICU emission, longer hospitalizations, greater re and mortality risk, which we'll talk about again, there's generally greater risk for adverse outcomes with convulsive versus non-convulsive seizures and intractable versus tractable seizures. Unfortunately, our numbers are too small to draw a strong um, statistical conclusion for these categorizations. For example, 90% of our women have tractable epilepsy, 80% were not classified as focal versus generalized. So we cannot make, draw a strong conclusion on that uh, analysis. There was also a temporal trend that was not significant towards decreasing risk of major malformations and gestational diabetes over time that I think would be consistent with what we know about prescription um, patterns. Uh, There was also increasing risk of preterm labor, low birth weight, and preterm delivery over that time, increasing. Um, So this would be something that we could look at in more detail about uh, in another study. So I'm going to transition now, if I may, to uh, the findings that surprised me and changed my clinical practice. And far away, the number one thing that that, um, surprised me was that women with epilepsy have a seven times higher risk of mortality around their pregnancies and delivery up to two years postpartum seven times and immediately my thought went to what the heck am I doing wrong in my practice but going back to the data a little bit let me give you some specific numbers in our group of uh, 2,708 women with epilepsy we had six deaths And in our control group of 27,054 women, we had eight deaths. So this was very much um, statistically significant relative risk was 7.11 with a 95% confidence interval lower, which was 2.47. The 2024
0: eForum series from ILAE starts June 10th with a session on Outcomes Beyond Seizures in the Childhood Onset Epilepsies. The eForum features several experts examining the topic in detail, with live Q&A sessions and key learning points. Registrants also get access to relevant research papers and a self-paced virtual course to consolidate their learning. Visit ilae.org congresses and click on the webinar tab to see more information and register.
1: How does this elevated mortality rate compare with findings from other studies? We spoke with a clinician and a researcher in the field who was not involved in this publication.
3: My name is Jacob Christensen. I'm a consultant at Aarhus University Hospital in Denmark. I'm also a clinical professor in epilepsy and I'm a clinical specialist also in clinical pharmacology. So, well, uh, the finding of the, um, well, relatively high mortality in women with epilepsy is, is not a new finding. It's actually similar in size to what has been described in the US uh, population and, and also in the UK population and also in a smaller study that we did in Denmark. So seems to be an increased mortality during pregnancy and during delivery. And now this this finding extends two years after birth. Usually you would say maternal mortality, that would be during pregnancy and the first 42 days after delivery. So that's the WHO uh, definition of maternal mortality. We studied this in the past in a smaller Danish study and Actually, women who are in the fertile age, so not necessarily those who give birth, but those who are in, in, in the same age category, they actually have a much higher mortality compared to the background population, around 16 times increased risk. So so actually, the women that become pregnant have a lower relative mortality than than those in in the general population of persons with epilepsy, if that makes sense. Uh, So it it actually shows that the, the women with epilepsy who become pregnant are actually healthier than those who do not become pregnant. When you think about it, it's not surprising that those who become pregnant or decide to have a child actually are likely more healthier than those who do not. But it is, I mean, it just uh, shows that, that women in this age group um, with epilepsy has a relatively high mortality.
2: So what could be causing this? Um, I have two hypotheses. Um, I think one that jumps into all of our minds right now is SUDEP. Um, in the U.S. CDC Center for Disease Control Uh, the latest SUDEP rates are cited as 1.16 per 1,000 person years. So using that statistic, we would expect about three deaths in in our study among the women with epilepsy. So at a minimum, SUDEP could possibly explain a giant portion of the deaths that uh, were reported in our study. There was a paper coming from the UK in 2014 that reviewed 30 years' uh, worth of maternal death record in the UK. And that paper identified SUDEP as the biggest cause of maternal mortality among women with epilepsy, followed by aspiration gastric contents during a seizure and drowning during bathing. And I think to any epileptologist, we look at that, we think, oh, this is all consequences of inadequate seizure control. And further support of that concern, in that that UK study, most women with epilepsy who had anti-epileptic drug levels checked at the time of death had levels that were sub-therapeutic or even undetectable. I think it's reasonable to hypothesize that a good percentage of, of these deaths come from uncontrolled seizures. And that we as practitioners, need to be aware of this high risk of mortality, not only during pregnancy, but during the first year or two after delivery. At least here in the United States, there is um, almost a a belief that... um, Epilepsy during pregnancy is not too bad. It's relatively benign compared with other comorbidities. And I think that attitude needs to be um, more informed as to the actual severity of epilepsy during um, pregnancy. Another thing that struck me was the reports of the third biggest cause of maternal mortality being um, death by drowning during dating. And what that tells me is that we as a medical profession are not doing enough to emphasize routine seizure precautions, Um, particularly, I think, in the postpartum period. Another question that I think of is, do moms with epilepsy need closer follow-up postpartum to maintain that tight seizure control? Routinely, a woman with epilepsy postpartum Will have a six week follow up and then uh, revert to yearly follow ups um, as dictated by the seizure control. But with this information, I have changed my clinical practice uh, so that I, I contact the mother at two weeks, four weeks, three months, six months, and a year. And I coordinate with the uh, OBGYN. Who typically sees the mom at three weeks and three months, so that there is extensive um, medical contact during this time, where any issues can be addressed before they become serious problems. With this sort of approach reduce mortality and serious morbidity in this population? I think that's something that should be studied. Another thought I had about, or uh, we had, I can't take credit for this from myself What uh, as far as why is there such an elevated maternal mortality is um, the question of postpartum depression. Mm. Uh, I think all of us in our practice have seen that there is a high risk of depression among people with epilepsy in general. And then when you compound that with the risk of postpartum depression, does that cause higher rates of postpartum depression? or more severe postpartum depression? Is there an increased risk for suicide attempts? Um, I think that these have not been looked at and should be uh, investigated further. Another finding that correlates with this pattern is that um, there is five times the risk of maternal ICU admission during delivery for women with epilepsy. It's possible that this reflects increased risk of status epilepticus, of course, but then I also wonder, is there an effect of anti drugs on cardiovascular health or on mental health that's Mm -hmm. causing these ICU emissions, or is this just a reflection of possibly lower baseline health status or socioeconomic determinants of health in this population? These concerns also play into the last finding I'll talk about, which is that there's increased risk of rehospitalization. So the relative risk for this was 2.34 for two or more rehospitalizations with the highest relative risk of rehospitalization in the first year postpartum. So does this reflect, for instance, um, the reverting pharmacokinetics of anti drugs uh, postpartum? As a concrete example, someone who's taking a higher dose of Lamotrigine during pregnancy may not know to decrease their doses postpartum, become toxic, have some ataxia, fall, injure themselves, and end up in the hospital. Could more information about man- peripartum uh, management decrease rehospitalization risk? As a general summary, what I learned in my clinical practice was that Women with epilepsy need just as much care in the first year or so after delivery as they do during pregnancy. And we as practitioners, but also the patients need to be aware of that increased risk and take their own health care seriously. I think any mom or any dad who has been through the neonatal period will know that oftentimes um, adults' personal care falls by the wayside uh, to take care of the baby. And perhaps we need to emphasize to these moms that you've got, you have to take time out to participate in your health care, to get your blood draws, to see your doctors, and to prioritize your own sleep habits and your own um, diet and, and nutrition so that you can remain um, seizure-free as a first priority. I think there's also further work to be done about um, breast, around breastfeeding. It uh, seems that women with epilepsy are choosing not to breastfeed at higher rates, likely due to concern for anti-epileptic drugs, uh, adverse effects on developmental outcome in their babies. So we probably should be doing more counseling and more reassurance in that area as well.
1: Thank you so much. And could you briefly discuss the study strength and limitation? Of course.
2: So I think our biggest strength is our large sample size and the fact that we have population-based data with nearly 100% capture. Um, we also have a relatively long follow-up of two years. That's fairly uh, rare for these type of studies in this area. And that we performed a sub-study where we reviewed the charts of uh, all women with epilepsy who delivered at a certain hospital within the uh, state of Washington. And that sub-study suggested that we did indeed capture all women with epilepsy with deliveries in in our state. Our study does have limitations, however, and um, one of them is that we depend on ICD-9 coding. We are depending on coding accuracy but at the same time, we don't have any indicators of severity from the ICD-9 codes. We don't have any indicators of disease duration, of drug compliance or drug dose. Um, and we don't have any information on what anti-epileptic drugs that women with epilepsy are using. Um, we also don't have any outpatient data. And if there were any women who moved out of state before they delivered or any um, home births that did not end up in the hospital, these women were not captured. However, I think that these are a very small population. This represents a very small population because most women with epilepsy deliver in the hospital, or if they were to have an emergency unexpected home delivery would end up uh, in the hospital at some point soon after delivery. Um, I'm also questioning um, whether or not our statistical control for socioeconomic status is adequate. Um, In my clinical practice, I see every day the um, adverse uh, influence of lower socioeconomic status. And um, I believe that that is a big factor in the poor outcomes. But uh, I think that a bigger study would need to be performed before we can draw any conclusions on that.
0: Thanks for listening to Sharp Waves. Our content is meant for informational purposes only and not as medical or clinical advice. The International League Against Epilepsy is the world's preeminent association of health professionals and scientists working toward a world where no person's life is limited by epilepsy. Find more Sharp Waves episodes wherever you get your podcasts or at ILAE.org.